right thing anyway, whether we ask or not. That's one problem with prayer, or understanding prayer. Another is, we can change God's plans. We, you, can change what God was going to do. That, create, that creates all kinds of problems. <laughs> Why are some people healed and others aren't? Why are some people healed one time and not another time? I've been through that myself. I have been miraculously healed. No question had doctors scratching their heads. Stood there in front of me and said, we cannot explain what has happened to you. But there's been lots of other times when I've been hurting, I've been sick, whatever. You pray, nothing. You just have to tough it out. How does that work? We, we don't know. We don't know. So what does it take to get your prayers answered? That's what everybody wants to know. This parable looks like you just need to wear God down. I mean, how does God decide what prayers to answer? How does that work? We don't know. Now, this parable is difficult because it's not obvious. Is it teaching a strategy to get your prayers answered? Don't think so. Now, are we supposed to associate God with this unrighteous judge? That's the way a lot of parables work. This thing is like this other thing. That's the way you understand the parable. That's how it's played out. The prodigal son is like that. The angry older brother is the Pharisees. The father who welcomes the wayward son back is God. The wayward son are the Gentiles. That's you know, roughly. That's roughly what's going on in that parable. That was a pretty easy one, as I said. Brian Cherry picked it. <laughs> this one is not as simple. It's not as obvious. Because if this is a picture of God, this is not very comforting. You should be scared of a God like this. So that's not what's going on. And what about that last comment? Doesn't seem to have any connection at all with the parable. Jesus tells the parable, lays out the story, and then he says, However, when the Son of Man comes, he's talking about himself. That's his favorite title for himself all through the New Testament or the Gospels. When he refers to the Son of Man, he is referring to himself. It's, a, it's an Old Testament reference to the Messiah. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What does that have to do with the parable? There's not an obvious connection there. And yet he clearly felt that there was a connection. The people who were listening to him, this is delivered to his disciples, probably understood or at least had some idea what he was talking about. Now, we need to understand the context of this. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to be executed, and he knows it. This is chapter 18. In chapter 19 in Luke, you have the triumphal entry. At the point this is delivered, Jesus is days away from a brutal execution. He's thinking about the future. If you look in the previous chapter, it starts in um, Luke 17, starting with verse 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, future, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And he talks about his disciples looking, what they should be looking for. That's the beginning of this section, and this parable is the tail end of it. 
So his comment about when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth, is the closing line of a whole section. This is a case where there was a bad uh, chapter division. This is part of a larger section where Jesus is talking about the future. And he's thinking about, you know, my time here is just about done. But I'm leaving, but I'll be coming back. And my disciples are going to need some encouragement. So you get this parable about praying and not giving up and persisting. So that's the overall context. But it's still not clear what it means. Will he find faith on the earth? So I want to, I want to take this parable apart, but I want to do it in order. First of all, the obvious. Let's, let's talk about prayer. Now, in an effort to help us understand this mystery of prayer and how God handles prayer and what, can we, what can we, we can expect, I have arranged... For us to briefly look in on God in his office as he considers some of our prayer requests. So. Now, we're stepping into the middle of something that's going on. No, no, it's not that complicated. No, I don't want to do it myself. That's why I hired you. But you've got it backwards. You've made a botch of it. I'm telling you, the moon circles the earth, not the other way around. Yes, I'm quite sure about that. Look, look, I've got to go. I can't talk to you any longer. I've got prayer requests piling up here. Look, someone is going to eventually notice. Look, will you just fix the problem? That, that's good, good, good. That's right, just keep that in mind. The little one circles the big one. Good, now you've got a firm grasp on it. Right. I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <sighs> Note to self, never work with the lowest bidder. <sighs> All right, what was I doing? Ah, oh, yes. Prayer requests. I need three more answers to prayer to reach my quota of ten for the day. <laughs> ten answers a day keeps the devil away, as they always say. Let's see what I've got. Ah, Kathy Smellick. What does she want? <laughs> Oh, 
that's reasonable. She's healing for a friend. That's very kind of her. Okay, let's see. That checks out. That checks out. Everything appears to be in order. Yeah, I think I can probably... Uh, she didn't say in Jesus' name. <laughs> Where is the attention to detail anymore? <laughs> sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. This is interesting. Here's two of them almost identical. Andrew Lang and Jeff Hammond, both for physical healing for themselves. Both of them check out. Family life, good. Church attendance, pretty much, pretty much a break even. Except for tithing. <laughs> Oh, this is not good. Andrew tithes? Jeff, not so much. Well, Jeff apparently thinks that this is a charity organization that I'm running. But this is pay to play. Okay, Andrews goes in the answer pile. Okay, what else have I got here? Let's see. Adele Tinnen. Again. <laughs> it's the same issue, same family issue again. This is her um, sixth request. On this same issue. And she's a prayer leader at her church. Well, I'll hear from her again. <laughs> ben Yee. Of course, I'll have to say yes to Ben. He's a pastor. And it's about the new baby. Isn't that sweet? This makes it so easy. Okay, Ben gets his. What do we have here? Jarrell Godsey. What does he want? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I remember that name. I answered a prayer for him last week. Jason Kopi? Kepi. Kepi. Reasonable request. Child safety. Okay, that checks out. That checks out. Oh, he's a worship leader. Oh, he gets extra points. <laughs> oh. He was a bad boy yesterday. Twice. 
Use my name as a curse word, will you? <laughs> From Brian Bird. Of course, I have to say yes to Brian. He's a pastor. That goes in the yes pot. No? No? He wants Ohio State to win the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> Fat chance. <laughs> I've already got $50 down on Michigan. <laughs> All right, I need one more to meet my quota. Let's see if I can answer one of these and get out of here. Let's see. Patty Batunas. Steph Vandenberg. Both are reasonable requests. Oh, that's impressive. Steph has 10 other people praying with her about this. Well, Patty has 11. <laughs> well, Eleven beats ten. <laughs> oh, praise me. The end of... <laughs> That's my quota for the day. Oh, look at all these. All these requests, all these people suffering, all these people wanting me to do something for them. Oh, well, they'll still be there tomorrow. Well, let's... Oh, if I hurry, I can get home in time to watch Judge Judy. <laughs> How many of you secretly... Assume that it sort of runs like that. But God's not very motivated to hear us. That there's all kinds of criteria, secret criteria that we don't know about. That you pray and you don't get an answer and you start going back and say, Did I sin? Did I, did I not pray enough? Did I not use the magic words in Jesus? I mean... So, I hope that clears things up for you. <laughs> now, I want to think about the parable, about what it says about prayer. It doesn't answer a lot of our questions about prayer. As I said, no parables are notoriously difficult to interpret. There are no set rules. But this parable isn't obvious. Many are obvious. This one's not obvious. Many of the parables are, this thing is like this thing. It's a comparison. This is similar to this thing. This parable is exactly the opposite. It's a contrast. It's not that God is like the unrighteous judge. It's that it is that God is unlike the unrighteous judge. And because God is not like this unrighteous judge, therefore, how should that affect our relationship with him? 
So God isn't like this judge. Now, what does this parable say about God and his motivations? Now, it's a contrast, so let's look at the judge for a second. This judge is completely unmotivated to help this widow or anyone else. Now, you've got to understand, in the, um, in the Jewish culture, widows were specifically singled out by God's people and God's law to be taken care of because they were tremendously vulnerable. They didn't have the social nets that we have. They didn't have Medicaid and Medicare and food stamps and all that. Women, for the most part, did not work. And if a woman's husband died and she had no son, she was in serious, serious trouble. There was no one to look out for her. She was on her own and was probably facing a life of extreme poverty. And unscrupulous uh, businessmen and stuff would manipulate and bully widows because there was nobody to stand up for them. This woman, somebody's been trying to bully her, and she's going to the judge to try to get some sort of a ruling, and she just keeps going back and going back. But this judge is completely unmotivated. He's not a relative. He's not a friend. He's not a neighbor. He has no relationship with her whatsoever. He has no sense of justice. He has no sense of rightness. He has no sense of fairness. You would think, if nothing else, that being in the position of a judge in a particular society, there would be some professional integrity involved. Like, that's your job. But you don't even see that. He senses no responsibility at all to anybody. He literally could not care less about this woman. And yet, what happens? She makes things happen. She's the hero of the story, so to speak. But Jesus points out, he says, but won't God? The unrighteous judge does this, but won't God listen to his chosen ones? Who's that? It's us. The judge is unrighteous. Here's the contrast. The judge is unrighteous. God is righteous. The judge had no relationship with this person. What do we have? We have a relationship with God. If you are his, you have his Holy Spirit in you. You are his chosen one. You are his child. The unrighteous judge didn't care at all. What about God? Lots of evidence that he cares, up to and including giving his son for our benefit. He puts her off repeatedly. Basically just stiff-armed her, just like, go away, go away, beat it. What does this say? God will answer his people. There's the contrast. Now, the question that this begs is, and what he's pointing out, if God is so much more righteous and cares so much more for us, how much more then should we be motivated to pray? There's what this parable is about. It's not about wearing God down. If anybody should be persistent, we should be because we have somebody who's on our side. This widow makes us look like idiots. 
right? She, against all odds, made it happen. Against somebody who could not care less about her. We have a God who cares for us, and what do we do? Do we pray? We pray very often? Pray pretty consistently? Some people do. Some people are given to prayer. I'm not. This has been, it's, let's, let's, let's just say it's produced a lot of interesting conversations with Adele over the years. She is a serious prayer. How much more should we be motivated to pray than this widow was to seek out this judge? A lot more. But I suspect that there are other people like me that you don't really do that. We don't take advantage of the relationship we have with God. We don't take advantage of what God has promised to us. We're not motivated. There's some sort of a disconnect between what we say we believe about God and how we act. Now, this was interesting. I was holding down the fort here this week. Brian and Ben were both gone. They asked me to, you know, to be here and, you know, empty the trash cans. And <laughs> actually, they did. I ended up emptying the trash cans. That's just part of that's just part of taking care of things. But I was here in case there was an emergency and you know, phone calls. But I was working on this. I'm walking around the church, and I'm, my hips have been killing me. Just really painful this week. And I'm working through this parable. And it's just like, okay, it's interesting. He's talking about God and, and why don't people pray? And I'm not really getting it, you know? It's not, nothing's clicked. It's just kind of out there, you know? It's not in here yet. And Adele asked me one evening, she goes, let me ask you a question. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this usually goes badly. Okay, what's your question? She goes, you've been hurting for months. How often have you prayed about it? And there it was. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm limping around the church, studying a parable so I can share with everybody in the morning, explain God's word about prayer and how prayer works, and I don't pray about something that is very, very immediate in my life. But it doesn't motivate me to pray. I say, I can say what I believe or say I believe about God and his nature But what is my life saying? What are my actions saying? If I believe God is holy and righteous and just and loving, and I am his child, and he would be happy, he's motivated. Wouldn't you think that I would avail myself of that? But I'm not. And there's an obvious reason. I'm an idiot. (laughs) Actually, that's just the surface answer. (laughs) The real answer is, this indicates something about how I view God. There's a disconnect here somewhere. 
I either don't really believe God is loving, or I don't really believe he cares for me, or I don't believe he hears, or I don't believe he's willing, or I don't think I'm worthy, or some combination of those. And I haven't sorted this out. It's been a very interesting week. I laid right there one day praying, trying to sort some of this out. Now we look at what Jesus says at the very end. This very odd statement. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And you look at that and you go, I don't see the connection with the whole persistent widow thing. What's, what's the connection here? And it's a struggle. You know, like I said, some of these are very obvious and some of them aren't. This one's not an obvious one. This one takes some work to figure out what's going on. Jesus is going to return. He's talking about his second coming. He says, and when I return, he's just told, his, par- he's just told his, his disciples this parable to encourage them to keep praying because they're going to be waiting for a while. They're going to get discouraged. He says, but when I return, will I find faith anywhere on the earth? Now, where would God look for faith? Where would Jesus look for faith? In the woods? Under a rock? Where does faith live? He said, will I find anybody that trusts me? Will I find anybody that takes my promises seriously? It doesn't sound like he's very encouraged by the prospect either. You know, so let's, let's, let's phrase it a little bit differently. When Jesus returns, would he find any faith in this room? Any hearts here? In your life, in my life. What does it say about us that we have all the more reasons to pray? We should have much more motivation than this woman did, much more to pray, to seek God, and yet we don't do it. This, this parable is not about persistence. You read it one time through and it's like, okay, you just, need to, you just need to persist. That's not what it's about. It's about the motivation for the persistence. It's about the faith and trust in God that provides the motivation for the persistence. We have much more reason to be persistent in seeking God than this woman ever had in this unrighteous judge, but we don't do it. In general, we don't do it. Now, I don't know where the disconnect is. I can't see your hearts, but I saw mine this week, and it wasn't encouraging. So I want to ask you, if prayer is an expression of faith and trust in God, would you you agree with that? Let's start there. If you don't believe that God is good, that God's good and not evil, if you don't believe that he hears, if you don't believe that he cares, if you don't believe that he's willing to help you, then guess what? You have no motivation to pray at all. You're on your own. Just get on with your life. God's not listening. But if you believe he's good and not evil, if you believe that he hears, that he cares, that he's willing and able to help you, then you should be praying. It should come out in your life. That should be a motivation to pray. Right? So your prayer life is a window into your soul. 
And it indicates what you believe about God and what your relationship is with God. You know, it'd be nice to say, maybe someday somebody will invent a little god meter or whatever. You know, you point it at somebody, beep, 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 you know, and you can get a reading. We don't have that yet. You examine your prayer life. It tells you what your relationship is with God. It tells you where you are, what your relationship is, how you view God. It will tell you. That's what this parable was about. Now, the Bible says, the book of James says, Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders and to pray. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I'm first in line for that one this morning. Now, I would appreciate if the elders of this church, and that's not just the official elders, but also the spiritual, mature people, be prepared to pray for people who need prayer. So, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, play some nice quiet background music. The prayer team to come up, be prepared to pray. If you've got some business to do with God, your attitude, even if you're not physically ill, if your attitude, if something has been exposed in your attitude and your motivation towards God, this is an appropriate time to be praying about that. We really do need to take this more seriously than we do.